It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Happy Monday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme. John Paul taking your calls at 1850 Text our WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. And can I start by mentioning what is a striking photograph on the front page of the Irish Examiner today. It's an aerial view of graves of COVID-19 victims from a cemetery in Manus. It's in the Amazon state of Brazil and it is just row after row after row of graves being dug. It really is quite a striking photograph and of course Brazil now uh, faces humanitarian and healthcare crisis with deaths linked to COVID-19. It's running at about 3,000 per day. Uh, that accounts for one quarter of all of the lives lost worldwide in recent days. Oh, it's gone so bad in Brazil that old graves are being emptied in Sao Paulo, uh, which is Brazil's largest city, to make way for new victims of the virus, while funeral hours have been extended into the night time, such as the demand in Brazil. More than three 170,000 people have died from the virus in Brazil. That is truly, truly, it's just such a stark photograph, but just so shocking and showing us that really that this virus has not gone away. And while we can be thankful that we're doing well in this country, we have to be so, so careful. And talking of photographs, and a lot of the papers picked up on it yesterday, and it's in a couple of photographs again today. I think the photo photograph of the Queen sitting on her own in St George's Chapel on Saturday was probably the most poignant scene and photograph of the funeral of Prince Philip on Saturday. She just struck such a lonely figure. And, you know, I was thinking... And I know they had to abide by all of the COVID restrictions and they limited to 30 people inside in the St. George's Chapel and everybody was well spaced and people were wearing their masks and they did everything according to uh, COVID restrictions. But he was this elderly lady. I mean, that, you know, leaving aside that she's queen and the monarchy and all of that, here was a 
an elderly woman, a woman in her 90s, saying goodbye to her husband of, was it 73 years they were married? And I just thought, could one member of the royal family not have sat beside her? Just even when to grab her hand every now and again, put a hand on her shoulder to say, you're doing okay," And she was almost sunken into the seat in pain and in just abject loneliness. It was just, I, I, I mean, it was an image to me that I imagine broke hearts right right across the world. It, it really was such, such a lonely, lonely photograph. And I think the simplicity, I don't know how many people sat to watch, watch it. It was televised on Saturday and something like 13 million tuned in in the UK, obviously, for the funeral. But it was the simplicity of it, I think, that just made it made when the camera then would pan to the Queen. The simplicity of the event, I think, just added to the sadness and the loneliness for for this elderly, elderly uh, lady. It was just quite uh, stark indeed. Now, the Health Minister, Stephen Donnelly, God, didn't he cause a bit of a stir at the weekend? His suggestion on Saturday that there may be moves in this country to vaccinate people between the ages of 18 and 30. The idea being it would prevent the virus spreading. It, may I say, drew an absolutely furious reaction from many people and seemingly there was Fina Gale and Fina Fall politicians all over the country whose phone lines were absolutely hopping with people protesting that there was even a suggestion that people aged between 18 and 30 would be vaccinated. Now the government moved I think very quickly over the weekend to scorch the prospects of any further changes to the age-based vaccine rollout which of course had only been announced what about a fortnight ago Minister Donnelly said he was merely asking about something which he said had been mooted by health experts some time ago, suggesting that vaccinating younger people earlier would reduce the risk of the spread of the virus spreading to the wider community. Senior politicians in both the minister's own Fianna Fáil party and Fianna Gael were privately, it seems, enraged that the suggestion was even allowed to float out there on Saturday morning. It caused anger, particularly among older citizens and again stoked the ire of Gardaí and teachers who had already been protesting at changes to the vaccine rollout based on age and vulnerability, which was revealed before Easter. And that was the one that really struck me when I heard it first. I was thinking the teachers are going to just kick off majorly over this if it if it did go ahead that they were going to vaccinate the 18 to 30 year olds because then it would mean that the younger teachers would be getting the vaccine ahead of the older teachers and you can imagine the conversations inside in the canteen in any of the schools. Now Stephen Donnelly moved to draw a line under the controversy yesterday, clarifying that people under the age of 30 will not now be vaccinated before the people aged between 30 and 60. Minister Donnelly said he was aware that the original NIAC prioritisation included this option for younger people because we do see more transmission amongst younger people. And he said what the original NIAC strategy had said was that if the data on transmissibility in regard to the vaccine was strong enough, then it was something they were saying that could be considered. So, I mean, if he was kite flying, this is probably the most dangerous kite flying in a very sensitive issue that is 
the COVID-19 vac- vaccination because there doesn't seem to be that much vaccine hesitancy in this country, certainly compared to other countries. Other countries seem to be having a huge problem trying to get their people to take the vaccine. That could not be said about this country. I think most people would walk through fire to get vaccinated. There will be some people who will have vaccination hesitancy, but I think in the main, people realise that the way out of this pandemic and the way out of life returning to some kind of normality has got to be through more and more people getting a vaccine. So people are waiting in line, waiting very patiently. And the very suggestion that younger people, because they're seen, there seems to be more transmission amongst younger people because of that, because they broke the rules and decided that they weren't going to stick by all of the rules and the regulations and all of the restrictions and because they wanted to have a little bit of a life. And for doing that, they're almost going to be patted on the back and we'll give you a vaccine for it, which means you can go off and have a jolly nice summer. But don't be worried about your parents or your grandparents because when they when their turn comes, they'll get the vaccine. I certainly was really, really annoyed by this suggestion. So I welcome uh, your thoughts on it. No, I, and I accept and assume that there will be others who will possibly agree with this uh, suggestion and say, look, if we want the figures, if we want to completely flatten the curve, then what do we do? We need to stop the young people from picking up COVID and passing it on to somebody else. And if the safest way to do that is to vaccinate, then vaccinate them before you would vaccinate people in the, their 30s, their 40s uh, or their 50s. This, because the suggestion would be that everybody over the age of 60 would get vaccinated. And once they were all done, this is what Stephen Donnelly was suggesting. We then look and we move to the 18 to 30 year olds, vaccinate all of those. But people aged between 30 and 60 would literally have to wait until all of that group uh, was done. And then the idea is that the people between 30 and 50, the law abiding citizens, they'll stay at home. They won't move outside their 5K. They'll stay within their county. They'll abide by all of the rules and regulations. But we have a problem getting the younger people to abide by the rules and regulations. That's why they're spreading the virus. So guess what? We'll give them the vaccination instead. On the funeral of Prince Philip that I mentioned and that picture of the Queen sitting all in a row and Amanda said, uh, watched the funeral of Prince Philip on Saturday and the pictures of the Queen sitting all alone in St George's Chapel. Absolutely heartbreaking. I was really disappointed, said Amanda, that Princess Anne, her daughter, wasn't close by her to support her, her mother. The Queen travelled to the funeral with her lady-in-waiting and I felt that that should even have been her daughter. Yeah, and the lady-in-waiting, I don't know where, I don't know if she went into the she certainly wasn't seated in in beside her in the church but I think she because anybody else who had a spouse had somebody sitting beside them actually obviously Harry didn't have Prince Harry didn't have Meghan with him so he was seated on his own and Prince Andrew who was divorced from Fergie he was seated on his own but I just felt a little bit of support for the Queen I think I think most people would have would have seen that that would have been the correct thing to have done at any other funeral. That's exactly what would have uh, happened. Now, um, Mike in Bantry has been on saying, Hi Patricia, are garden centres open now? Think, um, no, as far as I know they're not. Garden centres that are attached to hardware stores certainly are open. But standalone garden centres, the last that I heard about that was when they were announcing the reopening that happened on the 12th of April. And we were told the next 
the next level of easing of restrictions is expected to be at the start of May, which is going to be around May the 4th. And they're talking about non-essential retail commencing firstly with click and collect and for outdoor retail, the likes of garden centres and nurseries. But that's from the 4th of May. So as I know there are garden centres open, but any of the ones that I would be aware of are attached to hardware stores and hardware stores by their nature are allowed to open. Standalone garden centres, I don't know if any of them have opened uh, or not. Mike and Bantry, anyone is interested in that. And then, hi Patricia, West Cork was an absolute disgrace over the weekend. The amount of camper vans and caravans, unbelievable. There was traffic jams and crowds everywhere. People were queuing up for coffees and for takeaways and there didn't seem to be any social distancing going on whatsoever. The crowds here in my seaside village was so bad that I actually ended up ringing the guards and they said, sorry, nothing we can do about that. People are allowed to travel within their county. People are going to put us back to where we were if they don't cop themselves on. There, there's been another mutation now in India and the Indian mutation has been discovered in the UK already. It's only a matter of time till it comes here. And this broke at the week or last week. It's the B, it's a new variant first detected in India. It's called the B1617. And that listener is right, 73 cases in the in England and there's been four cases discovered in Scotland. Now, it has been described by public health officials as a variant under investigation rather than a variant of concern. And I did a bit of research into because I kept seeing that in articles I was reading a variant under investigation and a variant under concern. And they're important. Uh, variant under concern is the one you don't want it to be because that means that the vaccines that are already already that we're using don't work for them. When it's a variant under consideration, it looks like the vaccines that are there are okay. But if it ends up getting getting identified as, as a variant under concern, then it is a real problem. But yes, it is a new variant that is in England, that is in Scotland. And the fear is that if it's in England and Scotland, will it end up here? 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. And one final uh, text in from Matty to say, Patricia, believe it or not, my two granddaughters... Uh, teaching in the east of the country, went back teaching just last Monday, back teaching full time into the classroom. Would you believe both of them since last Thursday are now at home and in quarantine after coming in contact with students who tested positive? I really think that teachers should be vaccinated. That's from Matty. We're still getting calls in from some people over the age of 70 who have yet to receive their vaccination. So to get an update on what is happening with regard to our vaccination programme, I'm joined by Dr. Mike Thompson of the Immokilly Medical Centre and uh, he's also of course been GP lead at the MTU Vaccination Centre for the over 70s. Uh, good morning to you Mike. Morning Patricia. And you're, you're welcome. Uh, where are you at at the vaccination centre at MTU? Are you still there on weekends? Yeah we're going next weekend again. We're just giving our 70-75 second dose okay. and then we'll have a following two weekends after that we'll, we'll wrap up that cohort by giving the second dose to the 70-74. Now, some GP practices may be behind or some may be ahead of that. But certainly by mid-May, I expect that most practices probably, certainly with the first dose, and I think most GP practices might be finishing up their over-70 cohort. And just in defence of the GPs, because I know some of the listeners were getting very frustrated last week because Mary down the road got her vaccination at a different GP practice and why hasn't Betty got hers? Um, it, it's it's The GPs have to wait to see how much and how many vaccines they're getting. 
yeah, there's a three-week kind of cycle. So one practice might get theirs three weeks earlier for the same delivery or the same age cohort. And coupled with that, Patricia, there has been some supply issues and that some haven't got the numbers that they were expecting and have had to cancel. But I do think, so the, the, the vaccine company, National Cold Chain, have relationship managers with the GPs now. I think most of the issues have been ironed out. And I think most GP practices are well, well into their over-70s cohort. Um, I, I, I think most over-70s possibly have a first dose at, at this stage. Okay. Um, you know, um, again, there may be there may be obviously a practice who may be two weeks behind that cycle, um, but it is imminent for those people. Um, so I, I just think be patient. Um, the GPs will contact you. We we are aware of all all, all who our patients are, um, and in fact, I suppose the next iteration of the of general practice and the hub will be the risk categories. So this you is know, the medically vulnerable. Who and, and this has started, hasn't it? Yes, it has for contingencies that has started. So obviously there was the hiatus for the AstraZeneca and all people aged 60 to 69 will now be done in HSC mass vaccination hubs through the HSC portal for registration. So general practice won't have any role in giving out those vaccines, the AstraZeneca vaccines, to 60 to 69-year-olds. Now, we had some calls in last week again about that. Some people were upset because they wanted to go to their GP and why can't they get their vaccine at the GP? These are people over the age of 65 who were starting to register. It's the 65-year-olds are registering uh, today. But again, that's not a decision that was made by the GPs. No, that was the risk from NIAC who made that decision. Your GP doesn't have AstraZeneca and are not allowed to vaccinate. In fact, we're not even allowed to vaccinate 60 to 69-year-olds with a Pfizer vaccine that we will have in our surgeries. All that age group has been directed to the HSE mass vaccination centres via the portal. And that's the decision, as, as we know, that was taken essentially by government on the advice of NIAC and NEFET. So we'll be obeying that. Um, and will, you be, will you be involved in, the, in that rollout? Will low, no. Will you, no. No, no, that no, that that would be the HSE mass vaccination centres, such as in City Hall, Parky Creeve, Tralee. I think there's one opened in, um, and CIT Midweek will become uh, HSE mass vaccination centre. And then there's one in Mallow, and then the one in in West Cork West as well. Cork, okay, so people will have to travel to the vaccination centre to get their vaccine. They have to travel to their GP and Patricia. I mean, they, you know, this is not you know, people will have to get into a car for their vaccine one way or the other. Um, and I think we've waited a year and a bit for this. I, I don't see that a couple of extra miles is going to be a huge issue for people. Um, the National Ambulance Service has completed the over 70s housebound. Okay. And I'd imagine that some aspect to that will be reimagined for the under 70s cohort too as well. Okay. Which I'd imagine would probably be less than the over 70s. So the, the, the medically vulnerable is the next cohort that general practice is about to undertake. And it's, we call it Category 4A and 7. And there are 120,000 people nationally in 4A. And that essentially is people with a BMI of more than 40. So essentially, for a woman more than 90 kilos or a man more than 120 kilos, that's something that you might be in. Uh, people with their diabetes who's not optimally controlled, most people will know that their HbA1c is a figure that the GP is monitoring. And if that's above 58, you're also in Category 4A. And the other people in Category 4A are those with severe respiratory distress requiring home oxygen or admissions to hospital within the last year. So that's Category 4A. And some GPs, because of 
um, no shows and getting extra doses are already working on that contingency list. And we are proceeding on the basis that we will now also be starting Category 7 seamlessly with 4A. Now, seven Category 7 is quite a wide cohort, Patricia. And if I could take 30 seconds, I might just read through that list. Please do, yeah. Yeah. So cancer would be a big one. So it's people who've had a hematological or blood cancer within five years or a non-blood cancer within one year. Anyone on items such as tamoxifen. Anyone on heart failure or heart failure medication. Anyone with chronic heart disease. Anyone with peripheral vascular disease. And anyone with high blood pressure causing heart disease. Kidney disease is advanced chronic kidney disease, and, and, and your GP will be aware through your blood test of what that definition is. Liver disease, such as viral hepatitis, cirrhosis, hemochromatosis with liver disease, alcohol liver disease, or uh, severe fatty, uh, non-fat, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Neurological diseases, basically is anyone with neurological diseases who has poorly controlled secretions maybe Parkinson's, cerebral palsy, etc. Anyone with severe asthma, anyone with cystic fibrosis, or anyone with moderate COPD, anyone with sarcoidosis, anyone, this is category 7, any other people then with diabetes type 1 or type 2, irrespective of their blood scores, anyone who's immunocompromised, such as people on high-dose steroids, someone who's HIV, or someone who's maybe some other medication that they're taking which can reduce their immune systems. Anyone with an intellectual disability and anyone with a thing called sickle cell disease, which is mostly for our black population. The other thing is for obesity, um, the BMI is greater than 35. So that, that really widens the net for people. So that's a rough guide. Anyone weighing about 16 stone uh, or 100 kilos and shorter than 1.75 meters. And your GP mostly will have all those readings. So between 4A, which is 120,000, and Category 7, which is 300,000, that's another 420,000. Yeah, when, when you were calling out that list, I was thinking that's a, going to be a huge list of people. It's still smaller, Patricia, than the over 70s. Which, oh, which is it? Okay. Yeah, which was 490,000. Um, so it, it now, and again, I, I think they think the rate limiting step with the over 70s well, certainly the vaccine supply, I think that issue is becoming less of an issue. Um, now, many practices will not get all the amounts that they would look for, certainly with Category 7. Um, there is still finite supply. But I think the people that may be missed are those people who are maybe, because the GP will have to put some reckoning on it and, and maybe start with the older categories or start with more uh, severe spectrum illnesses. Those people will be picked up by the age mass vaccination centres you know it's down to it's 65 at the 69 at the moment mm. it's coming out to 69 or 60 to 65 quite soon so and all I, of those all of those illnesses that you mentioned there yeah. it's the as the GP it's the GP will contact the patient is it yeah I suppose this is the one thing it, it, we, we can spend our time I suppose you know seeing sick patients or taking phone calls and right now, there is non-COVID out there. We are trying to manage it effectively. Uh, it's, it, all these lists are generally done after hours, etc., with our practice meetings. So what we did in this practice, we printed out every single patient here on our list of between people between 18 and 59, who was, and then we went through them individually to see would they be involved in Category 4A or 7. So your GP is doing the work. You know, 
canvassing, you know, I think we're aware of most people who need one. Um, being the reception desk, being blocked or inundated with phone calls, I, I understand people's worries um, and frustration. It's been a long year and a bit for everyone, but I, I suppose leave, leave us to get on with the job and we'll, we'll start it very, very, very quickly. And again, it's some just GP it's practices back to patience. Have, yeah, <laughs> some GP practices have already started, um, but, but there, there are three main delivery dates um, for this. It's the end of May, uh, sorry, so the end of April, the middle of May and the very start of June. Um, but people are, 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 some practices are already into their 4A and 7 list because of they've got extra doses, they've been able to get extra doses out of the vial, or patients haven't attended, some of the over 70s haven't attended, or have been picked up in other clinics. And as was remember for the 4A and 7, a lot of our patients will have been picked up by the hospital service as well. Um, so I do know that CUH bonds mercy the south. They're also actively recruiting and campaigning to get people the vaccine as well. Yes, yeah, so some so people, that some patients you will contact will already have their vaccination. Yes, and and which is a bit frustrating because you know there is no a central portal right now that we can access. I think that's planned, but you know it's a quick phone call to someone, see if they're available, see if uh, run through the thing, give them get them consent and give them a date. I think so. I really do think you know come end of June. That's another, you know, that's another half a million people added to the vaccinated list. Anne wants to know, what about somebody with epilepsy? Are they on the list? Uh, so it's any, I suppose, anyone with a chronic neurological disease who may have issues controlling their airway. So it's um, t- secretions. So they're not technically on a list. I would think that if they had severe epilepsy with lots of seizures, lots of medications may be affecting their immune system. Um they may well be, and I do think the GP will probably be aware of those cases. Have you a view on what's been looked at spacing out the doses of the of the Pfizer and Moderna vaccine, the idea being to give more people a first dose? Have you a view yeah. on that? I have a personal view on it, and I wouldn't be for it, but I, I'm a GP. I'm not a scientist, um, and I, I think, but I think if we're consenting people this week and next week, if we're telling people that they'll be getting their vaccine a certain way, I, you know, I do think people have already, people who've got the first dose will absolutely be getting it in four weeks' time. I know that there is a question, but I would hope that it will remain at four weeks. Um, I think what we need to do is get the most vulnerable fully vaccinated as quickly as we can. OK, OK. And then... Personal view, Patricia. OK, and then the discussion at the weekend and the furore at the weekend and uh, what many people see as dangerous kite flying. The suggestion to vaccinate 18 to 30-year-olds ahead of those yeah. between the ages of 30 and 60. I, I think that was a kite flying by the Minister. Um, I, I, I think he can sense by the public's reaction that, you know, I, I, I think it maybe abdicates a certain age group's responsibility. Um, and I think the vast majority of 18 to 30-year-olds have been very, very good. But I don't know if that's going to be a runner to be honest Yeah well I think uh, Minister Donnelly has come out and has drawn a line under it at this yeah. stage and I have to say I thought of you straight away this morning when I was reading a piece of drive-through vaccination centres could be incorporated into the mass rollout of vaccines it's according to HSE uh, a, a document has, has revealed it. I mean this is something that you did and you did very successfully for the flu jab last year Yeah we, we, we tried and at the start the HSE did, didn't allow off-site vaccinations and they are looking at it now. Um, I think other jurisdictions do it very, very successfully. We're not really seeing any reaction. Certainly, you know, it's comparable to the flu vaccine. This may be something that we will be, maybe have to get used
after maybe annual boosters, etc. So I think it lends itself very well um, with, with the usual caveats of monitoring, etc. afterwards to drive through vaccination. I do. I know in the UK where they're at like 57% of their adult population have had their first uh, dose. A third of all of the adults in the UK got their first dose through a drive through clinic. They never got out of their car. So, you know, Fantastic. it works. Yeah. It works. Yeah. All right. Listen, I appreciate Thanks you taking time out because I know how busy you are. Thank you for that, Mike. Stay Good safe. And uh, we'll talk again. That is Dr. Mike uh, Thompson of the Immokalee Medical Centre, but he's also the GP lead at the MTU vaccinations for the over 70s. And that issue of, and I know Minister Donnelly is looking at, is expecting a recommendation about spacing out the gap between the COVID-19 vaccines in the coming days. Stephen Donnelly said experts are examining how much of an impact extending the current. At the moment, it's a four-week interval. This is for Pfizer and Moderna. There's a four-week between the first and the, the second, and then two weeks after the second, you are deemed fully vaccinated. But they're now looking at moving it out to maybe eight weeks or moving it out to 12 weeks. Stephen Donnelly says the data they've been getting back from the vaccination programme in Ireland and indeed right around the world is even the first dose of those two vaccines is showing absolutely incredibly positive signs in terms of reduction of cases and reduction of hospitalizations. And only this morning, Professor Luke O'Neill has said that we could reach the 80% target of having adults vaccinated in this country if we spaced out the vaccine doses. So it's one of those ones. Watch this space. We'll come back to your vaccine comments that are coming in this morning, but I just want to move to a different topic for a moment because two Cork beaches are set to benefit from funding announced last week that will see world-class facility centres installed at 22 locations around the country where water-based activities are a key visitor attraction. The two Cork beaches identified are Gary Lucas Beach in Ballinspittle and Clay Castle Beach in Yall. Cork South West Fianna Fáil Dáil Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan has welcomed to the news and he joins me. Good morning to you Christopher. Hey Patricia. And you're, you're welcome. Do you know how the 22 locations were selected by the way? Um, I, an application process uh, was gone through um, and I, I guess they assessed each of the beach. They would have assessed whether the local authority would have um, owned land there, they would assess the suitability for uh, such activities. So, um, yeah, I, I guess, obviously, with any of these allocations, there's a pretty uh, robust um, process that is, is gone through. Uh, and it looks like, um, you know, Garrettstown, Gary Lucas, um, and you all, they, they, they ticked, all the, ticked all the correct boxes. So, and what facilities um, will these centres provide? So they, it, it's really exciting um, because, you know, um, we often talk on your show, Patricia, and, um, you know, we have discussions about the lack of facilities at beaches right throughout Cork County. So um, this facility will be um, state-of-the-art, um, uh, sustainable uh, building with outdoor and uh, indoor shower facilities. It will also have outdoor and indoor changing rooms. And what it will also have is, and I think this is a really good element that they're introducing, is they'll have um, an orientation room or a meeting room so that if you do have an operator like, for example, a surf school would be one of the easiest examples, um, that they can operate their business out of there, they can uh, facilitate meetings, they can facilitate bookings, etc. Um, so that's that, that's something that's a really good addition. So it's going to be, um, you know, I, I, I guess uh, something similar to what's already at Inshidani Beach. Uh, Cork County Council recently made a, a very good investment in outdoor and indoor shower facilities there, but probably with a few more add-ons. 
in that they'll also have changing rooms and um, uh, more interior rooms. So okay, and when when really when do you, when do you expect to see them built and so up and running? It needs planning permission first. Okay, uh, they 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 need to go for planning permission. Now, Cork County Council are. I suppose assessing where to best locate a, a building like this. Um, those who are very familiar with Garstown and Gary Lucas will know that as you travel along the beach from um, west to east, there's a parking area with picnic bench tables on the right hand side there. Mm. That I understand has been earmarked for the um, location, but it, it for, for location for the facility. So that's because Cork County Council owns that. I, I know a lot of people would love to see the facility go on the Garrettstown side, but. Um, my understanding is Cork County Council are quite stuck for space there, so uh, that's why the Gary Lucas option has been has been used. But I just want to say this: that look, I've been saying for years now that not just West Cork, because I, I can quite often be uh, quite uh, parochial about West Cork, but the entire Cork coast uh, can be, you know, an adventure. Um, uh, we, we can be the the adventure capital of the tourism in in Europe. I would say, you know, we have. I've spoken on your show already about the amazing whale watching that we have here. You have the sea kayaking, the nighttime kayaking. We've got some of the safest uh, and most enjoyable surf beaches um, in Ireland. Um, and, you know, there's the, 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 the kite surfers as well, who I, I've never tried that myself, Patricia, but it, it certainly <laughs> looks like a lot of fun. It, it does, it does in, in, indeed. And, yeah, and, uh, you know, outdoor activities, we need more investment in, in outdoor activities. Great tourism potential there. Yeah, right along the coast. So this is, you know, shower facilities indoor and outdoor changing. But if you look at our piers and harbours, um, our pontoons, you know, we have these beautiful, secluded, sheltered harbours and inlets right along the, the coast of Cork County. Um, people love being on the water. They love the, the fresh air. They love the thrill of being out in the ocean. But unfortunately, because of underinvestment for years and years in our marine infrastructure and in our coastal infrastructure, we simply, we don't have the facilities. I mean, you look at the likes of Kinsale, the unbelievable setup that they have there with the marina and the pontoons, and you can see how that drives uh, the economy uh, in a stunning tone. Like Kinsale, people uh, know that they can come there, uh, they can moor up, uh, they can avail of boat trips because they know that the facilities are there. I would love to see that replicated um, right throughout West Cork okay. because, well done, well you know, it, it, particularly in the current atmosphere, Outdoor activity is yeah is the way is the way to go. Actually, we've already got a few calls in from some people who were worried about the amount of people that descended on West Cork over the weekend. Were you out and about at the weekend? I was. I did was, you notice a lot of people around? I did. I did. I did, and I, I headed on to, to one of my favourite haunts, is Mizzen Head, where I do uh, bird watching. I take off. It's a great way to get away from the world of politics for a day, Patricia. But um, I did. I, there was certainly a, a, a huge amount of traffic on the road, and listen, in many respects. I'm not surprised to see that, and I wouldn't be one to very quickly jump to uh, conclusions about what's happening there. In fairness, there's been this huge pent-up um, uh, demand to get out and about. We've we've been in lockdown since you know start of December. Five K restrictions were implemented. People have just been you know um, yearning for the day that they could get outside their five K. You can imagine if you're up in Cork City, a beautiful city, and nothing against it, but you can imagine that just desire to head west, head to Mizzen, head, head to the Bear Peninsula, head to Skull, head to Bantry, Connacilty and Chidani. I, I can totally understand why that's happening. And we are um, told outside is the safest place. but you just, Outside is, is safe. Yeah, and, and just you know, space out as best you can. And if you're on a big uh, beach, it is possible to do that. That would be my concern. And, and I heard the intro to your show, Patricia, and, and you know, there, if there's callers who do have concerns about gatherings, then that's something that, you know, 
that isn't on. We can't have situations where people are gathering in large crowds, even though it's outdoors, even though it's safer. There has to be common sense. But certainly uh, what I saw on uh, Sunday was a lot of families, you know, taking off in their car, heading, 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 you know, to see some of the most scenic uh, picturesque, place, picturesque places in Ireland and enjoying it safely and sensibly. Didn't notice any large gatherings myself, but obviously if, if your callers are saying that's what's happening, then it, it was happening. So I would certainly advise. But, uh, but I do think you're right. You can't. People have been locked up for, for too long. And if and I mean, Saturday in particular was, was a glorious day. So you could exactly. you could see why, why people went out. And just also talking about Saturday, were you one of the TDs? Was your phone hopping on Saturday morning when Stephen Donnelly's suggestion of vaccinating 18 to 30 year olds ahead of the 30 to 60 year olds? Did you get much traction on that? Facebook messages, WhatsApps, uh, a few Instagram messages, um, yeah, just saying. I, I suppose asking the question: What's happening here? Is this is this uh, really happening? Is this something that the the cabinet are going to implement? But I think very quickly. Look, Stephen, I guess was doing what a minister should do and asking questions and asking what his best practice. And you know, he's right in one sense in saying that you know the highest uh, incidence rate of COVID is in that younger age cohort between eighteen to thirty. But obviously, it was very quickly slapped down by Nyack by Neffet and I imagine by his government, government, government colleagues, as well, colleagues as well. I agree with your previous speaker there, um, Patricia. We really do need to look after the most vulnerable and the oldest first. But I think Stephen was quite fine. I appreciate, and even you said it yourself, Patricia, that it's something that kind of irked you because, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's a bit of mixed messaging. But I guess what Stephen was doing was kind of asking the question, you know, should we look at this? Should he have done it in such a public um uh, for him was no. he over messaging I, I think he I, I think he was over messaging and that should have been for an internal conversation perhaps among cabinet or with himself and, and p- perhaps Ronan Glynn uh, something that really shouldn't have got out to the public because it, I know it would have you know by the messages I was getting it did cause concern but I'm glad that there is a line underneath it now and look we, we've already changed the um, timeline in terms of the vaccination rollout once we've decided to do it um on uh, age-based rollout. I think we should stick with that now so that people are very clear where they come in terms of the uh, vaccination. And we're expecting to see more and more vaccines arriving on our shores every week from here from here on. Supply doesn't seem to be as much as an issue as it was at the start. No, it's, it's really going to ramp up now. Um, you know, must say I have to uh, welcome the online registration portal that's just opened. I think today it's the 65-year-olds who can register um, you know, a lot of these will be vaccinated in their vaccination centre. Uh, we already, I spoke on your show about the Clannacilty and Banshee vaccination centre. So um, we understand now that those who have been registering online, they should from now on be receiving their first appointments and they will be going to the local vaccination centre. So, you know, over 1.2 million doses, one, one in five have received their first dose. Yes, you know, it, it, it's been a struggle to get here, but I genuinely um, feel that the, uh, rate of vaccination will ramp up significantly now that's going to give people a huge boost a yeah. huge amount of confidence and um, we're seeing it already we're seeing the incidence rate of the virus is dropping substantially that's down partly to the unbelievable work of the Irish people who have been so compliant but also the vaccination is clearly having an impact so okay. and, and you it, certainly it, you it, can it compare it to other countries where vaccination is rolled out and yeah, uh, how well they're doing I was we, reading some very concerning um, news there about what's happening in, in countries like Brazil and it really 
kind of we don't we don't want that for sure okay I'm over on time I'm going to have to leave there Christopher listen thank you for that and thanks for joining us Uh, that is West Cork uh, Doll Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan so you've got a smartphone or tablet then get the must have app so you can take us everywhere Download the C103 app today and listen to your favourite shows on the go. Grab our podcasts and all the latest Cork news. And if you've a smart speaker, ask it to play C103. Play C103. Okay. On your phone. Tablet. Smart speaker. And radio. Turn up the volume. We are C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Can I take a look at some of your texts and calls coming into the programme? Uh, Michael says, Patricia, poor Stephen Donnelly lost the run of himself on Saturday by daring to suggest uh, to look at should we be vaccinating the 18 to 30 year olds earlier to prevent the virus from spreading. Michael said he's lost the run of himself. He thought he was Taoiseach. He should remember that you are classed as an older person when you hit 50, not 60 years of age. His idea of taking the 50s to 60s out of the older people rankings for vaccination is simply shameful. He should be mindful that he is playing with people's lives here. There is a long way to go yet with this virus. Furthermore, I don't agree with extending the period between the first and the second shot of the vaccine. I did hear Dr Anthony Fauci say you can do this, but the more you stretch beyond the three to four week period, it becomes less effective. Dr Fauci doesn't make too many harebrained statement, statements. Stay safe. That is from Michael. And I know there are a number of people worried about that, that, that notion of stretching it out between the first and the second, your first dose and your second dose. And I know a, a listener who signs Fed Up Mitchellstown listener says, Patricia, I think the second vaccine shot should be given to the older people as planned as we will be gone too old to enjoy ourselves. Time isn't on our side. We could at least meet a few people and go out and chat to people when we know we're fully vaccinated. Thanking you as I say that is signed uh, Fed Up Mitchellstown listener. I do imagine that if they decide to to extend the current four week interval between doses to eight weeks or to even 12 weeks I imagine it will be for people getting vaccinated going forward. I think people who were already started to get their vaccine are told they are, this is for the Pfizer Moderna, that they will be getting their second one in four weeks' time. The older generation, like our Mitchellstown listener, the category my Mitchellstown listener falls into, I don't think that there's any talks of saying to that cohort of people, you're going to have to wait eight or 12 weeks. I think what's been looked at, I know the Irish Independent were reporting on this on uh, Saturday. They're looking at advice on widening out the interval between Moderna and the Pfizer jabs. It's under consideration at the moment, stretching out the jab times. But it would be for people, once they get their first jab, when they get it, they would then be told it's going to be 8 to 12 weeks. So I don't think, certainly anything I've read, I don't think it's anyway going to affect people who've already had their first jab for the Pfizer or for the Moderna. So, I, you know, please God, you'll get your second jab soon. Then you have to wait two weeks and then you're fully vaccinated and you will be able to, and it does come with a little bit of vaccination bonus in that you can meet up with others who are vaccinated as well. So hang in there and hopefully everything will be okay for you. Patricia, our doctor is not doing any vaccinations at all. What happens in that sense when it is our turn? Not every surgery are giving out vaccines. Well, I imagine you're going to win by the 
what will happen is when, when it's your turn, when it's your age turn, if you don't fall into one of the categories, you'll simply be applying to the HSE through the portal that's live at the moment that's doing the over 65s today are registering. You'll register and you'll probably go to one of the vaccination centres. But you could get onto the HSE live if you think that you're for some reason your GP practice isn't doing it. Particularly if you're in one of the cohorts that you're expected to be called, you know, whether it's category four, that they're doing at the moment in category seven. These are the medically vulnerable. If you're in one of those groups and your GP practice isn't doing it, I'd get onto the HSC Live and just they certainly will be able to advise you. Abby is wondering what about Crohn's disease? Are they going to be vaccinated? If you're immune compromised, again, listening to Dr. Mike this morning, the doctors know their patients and they know who fall into the category and who doesn't fall into the category. So they're making up the lists at the moment and already starting to call people in. I mean, people in category four and category seven have already been called in and are already receiving vaccines either to GP practice or maybe they're going to some of the vaccination centres. So that rollout has already started. And Joe in Dunmanway was listening with great interest to Dr Mike who was going through all the different lists of people who are contained in Category 4 and Category 7. These are people who are deemed medically vulnerable Joe says, are you saying that somebody who has a liver problem brought on by excessive alcohol consumption is to get their vaccine before the likes of me, says uh, Joe. Yeah, anybody with severe liver failure, for whatever reason, Joe, not everybody who has severe liver problems, not all of it is down to alcohol. Some of it is, but not all of it is. But just liver, people with liver issues certainly is uh, mentioned. And also there was other calls in. I knew when Mike started reading reading out the list of people we'd have other people like somebody saying what about people with hepatitis C well I imagine that would fall into the category of liver conditions so yes I imagine you're going to be either in cohort 4 or cohort 7 that they're at the moment now processing and calling people in and somebody else is inquiring about asthma is asthma on the list I don't know if it's directly on the list but I mean I know people with breathing problems uh, certainly are in either group 4 or in group 7 and if you're looking for more specific details of the different conditions, you can go on to the hse.ie and they actually go through, I just have it up here in front of me, these are people aged between 16 and 69 who are at very high risk. This is in group four. They go through cancer, chronic kidney disease, the neurological diseases, chronic respiratory uh, disease, COPD, cystic fibrosis, diabetes is mentioned in that and then people who are immune compromised. That's I imagine the person who has Crohn's disease, would you be deemed immune compromised? And it also deals with people who are obese with the BMI over 40. They're in the category four. And then you go down to category seven and they this seems to be running almost in parallel with group four they seem to the rollout here seems to be uh, they seem to be receiving their vaccines as well and again the liver disease is in that kidney disease chronic heart disease is in it different types of cancer it doesn't mean just because you had cancer in the past you'll be getting your vaccine quicker but certain types of people who are in treatment at the moment diabetes type one and two you fall into category seven. Again, anyone who's immune uh, compromised, people living with HIV, anyone with an intellectual disability. The obesity category is someone with a BMI over 35. That's in category seven. And anyone with severe mental illness. But as I say, you can get more detail if you want it by going online to hse.ie. But the doctors practice, all of the individual doctor surgeries are very much aware of these lists and they are drawing up the amount of paperwork and the amount of of 
admin work that's going into this on behalf of GP practices. I saw actually a report from the IMO. They reckon that a lot of their GPs are, get, are getting close to burnout. And I can understand it with the amount of detail that's coming through from the HSC. And then it's the, you know, the HSC are putting these lists together of who's next to get vaccinated. And then it's up to the individual GP to decide, well, how many in that category do I have on my books? And then contacting them. I mean, Dr. Mike was, was saying, certainly in that category seven, I mean, the list is huge and quite wide, the different illnesses and conditions that are covered. He reckons there's 300,000 people in that group alone. So there's, there's a lot of people to be vaccinated for sure. But listen, the vaccines are arriving in this country and, you know, the sooner they arrive, the better. And we'll be able to get them into people's arms and let people start getting back to some kind of uh, normality. Certainly a, a comment, Pat, I've heard before from other people saying that if the scientific world and the medical world put as much work and effort into getting rid of cancer as they've done with COVID-19, surely we would be cancer free at this stage. Well, I suppose they're two very, very different conditions dealing with the virus and finding a vaccine. Unfortunately, there's no vaccine for cancer. Wish that there was for sure. And Liz then is worried about having to go to a vaccination centre. Again, listening to Dr. Mike talking about the over 60s are being told the 65-year-olds are registering today and we've had the 66, 67, 68 and 69-year-olds all starting to get appointments soon. But you won't be getting it at your GP practice. You're going to have to go to your nearest vaccination centre. That's why you need to have your your air code when you're registering online or over the phone. Liz is worried and saying that if you what a fiasco for people living in West Cork. It can be over 100 kilometres to get to Cork City and now we're going to have to travel for our uh, jab. That is not fair. Well, Liz, you won't have to go to Cork City because there's two vaccination centres that will run alternatively in West Cork. One is in Bantry and one is in Clonakilty. So I'm assuming the closer you are either to the Bantry one or the Clonakilty one, when those vaccination centres are up and running, that's where you'll be called and that's where you'll get your appointment for. And in North Cork, there's one in Mallow. The GAA centre in Mallow is going to be used as a vaccination centre there. And I know when I was off over Easter, John Paul went up and paid a visit to the vaccination centre in Mallow. They're all, it's all ready to rock and roll. And then of course we know we have a few of them inside in the city as well. And then Martina says, Hi Patricia, I'm worried that if the 60 to 69 year olds don't use up all the AstraZeneca, it'll be dumped onto the 50 to 60 year old age group after already telling us it wasn't recommended for anybody under 60. Do you know any more on uh, this? Uh, now firstly Martina, I, I, I'm it saddens me when I see you write about a vaccine saying it'll be dumped on the age group. AstraZeneca is a really, really good vaccine. It's the main vaccine that's been used, for example, in the United Kingdom. And I was looking at the figures last night for the United Kingdom and looking at scenes of people out and about and enjoying, enjoying themselves because so many people over, so 54% of people in the United Kingdom have had that they're at least their first dose and the majority of those got the AstraZeneca. So we know that it is a good vaccine. It's been very unfortunate what's happened with the small number of, clot, of clots that have happened. But I know there is a bit of, for some, there's a bit of hesitancy around receiving the AstraZeneca, even though huge numbers of people aged 65 and over have registered for to get their vaccine with the AstraZeneca. They just want to get a vaccine into their arm. I don't think we're going to be using much AstraZeneca 
past June because I was only listening this morning to the EU and of course we get our vaccines because it's bought collectively in the EU and then it's divided out per head of population amongst all of the EU members and I heard this morning they're seriously the EU are seriously looking at not ordering any more AstraZeneca after June nothing to do with the how effective the vaccine is but because they were messed around so much by AstraZeneca when it came to delivery of supply they're kind of saying when our contract is up with you in June boys we're paying you back you didn't look after us when we needed to be looked after and because Pfizer and Moderna and we await to see what's going to happen with Johnson & Johnson. But certainly Pfizer seem to be bringing their A game when it comes to the delivery of supplies. So you can see the EU are moving towards buying in more of the Pfizer and certainly may just terminate and decide not to have a new contract with the AstraZeneca. But uh, Martina, there are so many people in the 60 to 69 year old age group. I imagine all of the AstraZeneca will be used. But even if it's not, it's a very, very safe uh, vaccine. And then I'm really surprised by this text from a listener saying my husband who's 57 uh, is getting vaccinated next Wednesday at our local GP's He's no medical problems. He hasn't not on any medication. But he got a call to say it's his turn. So obviously he's going in and rolling up his sleeve fairly quickly. Don't know what the reason for that is. But obviously for some reason, your GP feels that your husband has fallen into either Category 4 or uh, Category 7. But according to this listener, she knows her husband well. He has no medical problems and isn't on uh, medication. Goodness me. And Ross says, if the 18 to 30 year olds can't take medical advice and cop on, then our future is a little bit of a worry. And that's the young people, even the listen, the majority of the young people. And it was good to hear uh, Christopher O'Sullivan saying it as well. The majority of young people are abiding by the rules and regulations. It's unfortunate it's a small cohort of them who are deciding to not to abide by it. And that's why we are still, unfortunately, seeing cases breaking out in that age group. And on Stephen Donnelly and his dangerous kite flying on the sensitive issue that is COVID-19 vaccination honestly, says the texter Stephen Donnelly needs a PR firm to take over the messaging coming out from his office. He makes us all have no confidence in anything that he says. Yeah, When they write the history books about COVID-19, there will be a full chapter. I've <laughs> dedicated to Stephen Donnelly and his messaging for sure. Thanks for your text to 0862 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. 1850 333 103. C103 Jobs. A valeter is wanted. It's for cars and vans that's in the Fomoy area, while two workers are wanted for concrete work shuttering and steel erecting. It's for an agribusiness and they work across Cork County. A customer support agent is required to work in Little Island. An interest and a knowledge of dairy farming desirable, although it's not essential. And an experienced ground worker that's required for work in Cork. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia.
Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, we've already mentioned this this morning, but today is day five of the HSE's online portal for vaccine registrations for those aged 65 to 69, with those aged 65 allowed to input their details today. Age Action feel the choice to register for a vaccine online or by phone needs better promotion. And Celine Clark is Head of Advocacy and Communications at Age Action and Celine joins me. Good morning to you, Celine. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you're, you're very welcome uh, to the programme. And I'm so glad you're joining us today because we had so many calls in about this on Thursday and Friday when the portal first went live. Now, many over 50s have had no problem registering online or by doing it by, by phone. But I mean, it is fair to say and to accept that for others, it can be confusing. What, what kind of calls have you been getting to Age Action? So I think you're right and people shouldn't feel bad if they're not able to do it online because they're not alone. Almost half of people aged between 65 and 74 lack basic skills um, to navigate the internet. So people might be able to you know, use FaceTime or get online and read their, their local newspaper or, or navigate things that they're used to. But most people will experience some difficulty doing something new um, online in this age group. And in fact, we know that from CSO figures that 10% of people aged between 60 and 74 who used the internet said they wouldn't complete a government form online due to lack of skills. So it's important that people know that if they're not able to do it online, it's okay. You're not alone and there is an alternative way for you to do it. But the calls that have come to us are people that just don't have a device to be able to do it online. So okay. You know, you, you have to register your name and your date of birth is the first thing you have to do. And then you're going to get an email. Um, so you have to input an email address as well. And many people won't yeah. have their own email. Now, that was so one of the ones you can't that... can't go. Yeah, so. that was one of the ones that came up for us. People who were yeah. saying, look, I, you know, I FaceTime my, my, my grandchildren in mm-hmm. Australia every year. You know, I'm regularly on looking up stuff online, but I don't have an email address. Yeah, exactly. And and that's very common. So And then people are stuck at the very first screen. But again, people can ring the HSE at 1850 24 1850 for help to, to do this offline if they want. So the email address was one problem. And then if you did have an email address, and some people I know were using maybe email addresses of family members, you know, in order to, because they want to manage their own health care themselves, but so they used another person's email address. But then you had to do a verification. So a notice from the HSE would go to that email address. You have to click it. It opens the portal again, and then it looks for a PIN code that was going to be texted to whatever mobile number you used on the first screen. So there's two steps already um, that people found cumbersome and were worried when they didn't get the email straight away or were worried when they didn't get the text message for the verification code straight away that they'd done something wrong and they weren't going to be able to register or could they do it again and enter their details again and it just caused a little bit of confusion there um, for people. Um, So it it is at the very first hurdle there are two steps that some people can find a bit difficult Um, but I guess the thing is don't stress about it. Um, You know there is an alternative way to do it via phone or um, if people are really interested in in upskilling and 
in learning how to do more with their smartphone or their tablet or their laptop, we have five hours of free tutoring for older people. So we can set you up with um, a volunteer tutor who will help you over the phone to learn something, a new skill that you want to learn. And I can give you the number for that service in in a second. Please, we, we, we get yeah, a pen. Yeah, yeah. But we will. We, we, we will certainly do that uh, at the end. Because... Celine, asking a family member or a friend uh, to help out, some older people are not that comfortable with sharing personal details, and that's 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 okay too. Yeah, and you know, in, in large part, we're encouraged not to share our personal details with other people. Um, we're encouraged not to give out um, in personal information, and this is your health and your health is private to you and you you know you don't necessarily bring someone into GP with you um, to listen <laughs> as well like you make a choice to do that so there's a, you shouldn't have to give your personal information out to somebody else in order to access your health care. Yeah, yeah, I, I can absolutely un- I, I understand that. Now, the HSE say that the easiest way is online. So I think very much the HSE are, are pushing online. But as you say, there, you can do it uh, by uh, phone for those who are, are, are experiencing digital exclusion. The only thing I will say about the phone, Celine, and I don't know how it panned out over the weekend, it seemed to be extremely busy on Thursday and Friday and people had very long and yeah. were, were losing patience with it almost. Yeah, so, you know, we would say there's a, there's a piece of legislation that requires public sector, it's called the public sector and equality duty, and it means that um, people shouldn't be negatively impacted or discriminated against on one of the nine grounds of equality. And we would say that we this digital exclusion is a known issue for people over the age of 65, and they shouldn't have to wait or be treated more less favourably than people that can do it online. So we know that you know there was a phenomenal response to people because they want to get registered. But again, just to reassure people, getting registered early doesn't mean you're going to get your appointment early. It's still going to be done on an age-based ground and you know allocated to the vaccination. So if you if you're 69 and you're sitting at home and you still haven't managed to get registered, don't worry. It doesn't mean that you've gone to the back of the queue. Yeah. That's really important. You'll still be done ahead of the 65-year-olds uh, who, who are yeah. registering today. Yeah. Uh, Liz, yeah. one of our listeners, says, forget the online. It was so simple to do it via the phone. And actually, I heard of a number of people who did it by phone and, and got on got on really well, even though if you happen to hit the phone lines at a busy time, you just yeah. have to be patient. Somebody enjoyed listening to the music that they played. There was nice piano music being played and they enjoyed listening to that. Now, we did have, uh, Celine, a number of concerns from people wondering why their local GP can't give them the vaccine. But that's not the case with the 65 to 69 year olds. They must go to a vaccination centre. Yes, the understanding is that the vaccination centres will be used for for this cohort and for going forward for all of us um, as we come to our turn um, on the age-based ground. The vaccination centres will be the primary place where we get our vaccination. Yeah. So um, we understand that some people might be a little bit worried about where that centre is in terms of the distance and the accessibility for them. So um, we expect that will be another conversation we'll be having in in a week or two when people get calls for their appointments. Um, And I think it's really important the community voluntary sector has has rallied around people throughout COVID-19 and there may be people now who will need um, some support to get to a vaccination centre. Not everybody has a family member that they can or are willing to rely upon 
to, to help them in these situations. So we just need to be mindful of our, our older neighbours and our, our older colleagues who may need some help um, in accessing the vaccination centres going forward. And yeah, that's, that's a good point. And I know uh, the reason that they've asked people for their air code is to make sure that you'll get the vaccination centre, obviously, that's nearest uh, to your air code. But I think you, you've raised a good point because you're going to get a specific appointment on a particular day. For people who don't drive, that's, yeah. that is something that is going to become a problem for, uh, for people. No, absolutely. And I'm in my 40s and I don't drive. So okay. I live in the country. So I think it's going to be an issue for all all age groups, um, to be honest, uh, and particularly for those who live rurally um, to, you know, and don't have access to good public transport. So all of these things come back down to um, the access that we have to our health care. Um, where it's located in our communities, how does it meet our needs? All of those things, you know, COVID has, has highlighted and exacerbated some of the inequalities that are, are existing in our system. And this accessing the vaccination centre will be one of them. Um, and as I said, particularly for people who are rur- living rurally. So <clears throat> people need to kind of know soon enough where those vaccination centres are going to be so that they can plan and make an arrangement for someone to give them a lift or uh, that they can book a taxi or figure out what the public transport arrangements are if that's what they're going to do. And of course, I know people will be sitting at home saying, but they've told us to be really careful and to minimise our social contacts and to do it safely. And we still have to do that, yes, until yeah. we get vaccinated. Okay, yes. and have it's you not straightforward? No, have you received many calls from people worried that it's only AstraZeneca that's been offered to the people aged sixty to sixty-nine? Do you know we've received calls from both sides from people who, you know, when uh, NIAC made the decision to use mRNA vaccines in people over seventy, we received calls from people over seventy who wanted to get AstraZeneca because it seemed to be the quickest one. And we have received calls from people who are concerned about um, the the potential effects of AstraZeneca. Um, and we have communicated that to the HSC. And to be fair, the HSC have undertaken a good communications campaign, particularly over the weekend, to alleviate people's fears. And people need information and you need accurate information and get your information from trusted mm. sources. What that's the most important thing. You know, if you can, read the information online on the HSC website. Um, if you can't, maybe try and listen to some of the current affairs programmes where you have informed medical professionals who are giving information. And, of course, you can ask questions as well when you get to the vaccination centre. Um, and if you choose then not to go ahead with it, then that is your choice. But it should be an informed choice from sources that are reliable. And actually, I've heard from a few people who were a bit nervous going into the vaccination centre and when they spoke to the people there, had all of their questions asked, answered and they got their vaccine and made, you know, said it was fantastic and they they had all the information available. Okay, uh, Celine, listen, thank you for that. That helpline number, if people would would like to get some training from uh, Age Action about how to get online. Yep, it's 01475-6989. Okay, oh one four seven five six nine eight 
Nine. Nine. Okay, and we we have uh, we've made a note of that. And just before I let you go, uh, Celine, because it's an email that I'm going to get to on the, that I've received to the program that I'm going to get to in a little while from a listener really missing and bemoaning the fact of the active retirement groups and how mm-hmm. the active retirement groups. She said she actually says in her email they were actually were the very first to close down. They actually closed down in February before we went into full lockdown in March of last year. Now well over uh, twelve months and really missing it and the social. Side uh, of it, and now that a lot of people in the active retirement groups are coming up to being fully vaccinated, do you think there should be some moves to let them start to meet up again? Well, I think Active Retirement Ireland are highly engaged. To be fair, in uh, with the HSE and with um, public representatives about making a plan um, for people who are fully vaccinated, how to pick up their lives again in a safe way. And we know that, you know, two fully vaccinated people can, you know, meet um, now in your home. Um, you don't have to wear a mask. And so as, as more people become fully vaccinated, measures will respond to that and we will get guidance from um, uh, the HSC and from NEFIT as well. These questions are raised with them every time um, I'm talking to them anyway and I'm sure the same for Active Retirement Ireland and I know they are because we're, we're usually in the room together and when we're talking to them, well, it's a Zoom room, a virtual room. Um, and so we we are encouraging people to, to think ahead and to make really clear information and not leave it open to interpretation because that can confuse people as well. Like we can all kind of read into things the way we want to read them. So really clear information to be able to um, get ourselves back and get our lives back um, insofar as we can. So those active retirement groups and indeed all those groups, um, you know, that people find outlets either to Age Action has U3A groups, University of the Third Age to promote lifelong learning. Um, they weren't all successful online, um, largely because of what we've already talked about. People find it difficult to be online and it's not as meaningful, the engagement, and you miss the sort of the chats on the side, you know, and yeah. with your, your, your yeah. friends and the private conversations you want to have as well um, with people, which have been difficult um, over COVID to have private conversations with people. So um, we are making representations to NEFA, to the HSC, um, for guidance as soon as possible well for how this great age group can pick up their lives, regain the independence that was lost, um, and also access additional health care and maybe get back to jobs. Some yeah, people were still yeah, working. Yeah, you know? they were indeed. All right, yeah. listen, we leave it there. Celine, thank you for that. Thanks. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us. Celine Clark there of Age Action. Somebody says, can you call out that number again, please? I can. It's a double number. So uh, 01 Four seven five six nine eight nine four seven five six nine eight nine, and they offer free training to people obviously it's got to be all done now over the phone there was a time when they had volunteers that met up face to face with people to help them get online but if you need any sort of help with any kind of training about how to negotiate online on a tablet or on your smartphone age action there and as I say that training is free it's been revealed that a total of 89 artists from here in Cork are among the who's who of Irish and international artists taking part in this year's incognito 2021 online art sale in aid of the Jack and Jill Children's Foundation. To find out more, in a moment I'm going to be speaking with one of our local artists, that's Shane O'Driscoll from Bandon. But firstly joining me is uh, Lucinda Hall, who is the curator of the art sale for the Jack and Jill Foundation. Good morning to you, Lucinda. 
Hello there. Hello. Curator sounds very grand. Ah, doesn't it indeed? It It sounds really dead posh. Now, the the incognito art sale is is different in many ways. Just explain to listeners how it works and how somebody can purchase one of the paintings. Well, um, I'll tell you how it works. The idea is, is that you choose, you go onto the website, uh, www.incognito.ie, and you choose the picture that you like most. But you don't know who's painted it. It just has a number by it. So you choose your picture. And when you get it, which will be posted to you, if you're lucky enough to get it, then you'll see who the artist is. And it could be by somebody very famous. It could be by somebody you know. Or it could be by anybody. I mean, there's some wonderful artists there. Um, Now, to purchase, what you have to do is you have to um, uh, create an account um, so you go onto the website again and all the instructions there to explain how to do that. Um, you then make a wish list of your favourite cards that you want to buy um, and you choose the top three that you like. You put them in order and uh, you put all your credit card details in and all that and it's all very clear on the website. And you then are registered for auto-purchase and the computer will automatically buy it for you on Thursday morning. At 10 o'clock. It 10 goes. o'clock. Ten, ten, and I, I watched this last year. How yeah. quick did you sell out last year? Last year was 17 minutes in part one <laughs> and a little slower in part two. It was 22 minutes, I think. On unreal. Uh, unreal. <laughs> and we've got the, all of the artists. And as you say, some of them are very famous, both yep. nationally and internationally. Yep. And then there's other there's celebrities as well. There is. This year we have um, The Edge um, and we have Bob Geldof. Wow. Um, Paul Costello. Um, you know, they've all put their, their, their effort into it. Um, and we have some very, you know, well-known artists. We have Tom Clement from, um, from Down Your Way. Yeah. And um, all of the paintings, and they're all different mediums, aren't they? All different mediums. And I mean, it's just brilliant to see the different ways that people have interpreted painting on a, on a small postcard. Yeah, yeah. And the effort. I mean, there's one lady who's done this embroidery one. Um, and it's just, I mean, I don't know how long it took her to do it. It's absolutely fantastic. Another one's made out of old socks. <laughs> a collage made out of old socks, which is, fan- which is brilliant. Um, and then there's normal painting, oil painting, watercolour, poster paint, um, you know, drawings, lovely drawings. Sketches, too. pencil sketches. Yeah. And, and they're all, you, 60, it's 60, 60 euro. 60 euro. That's it. You, yep. can't, you can't bid and say, I desperately nope. want that, I'll give you 100. No. Nope. It's 60 euro. And if you're lucky enough. You, you get it. Yeah, it, well, I, do you know something, Lucinda? I went into a rabbit hole at the weekend because I went online to look. Yeah. And I got into, I, I think I was two hours because there's over 3,000. Yeah, 3,134. Don't I know it? <laughs> <laughs> but it's worth scrolling through. It is. It it's is. quite easy to give up. Yeah, um, yeah. And yet but there are some wonderful ones towards the end. So it's worth, you know, persevering. Hold your own and keep going. Yes. Yeah, and you have from now until until Thursday. Let Thursday. me bring in, let me bring in Shane O'Driscoll because oh, Shane uh, from Bandon is one of the artists. Uh, good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, Chris. How are you getting on? I'm, I'm getting on very well. You see, I know the style of your work. So <laughs> I went in there to try and find yours. And I think I have. 
Did you find it? I think I'm not saying the number now, but I think I, I have. Oh, well done. Yeah, I think now. I listen. I'm putting it up there as my top choice, but I'll wait and see. <laughs> but I, I do think, I do think. Now, tell me how you, why, and how you became involved. Um, I think I've been involved in this for the last good few number of years. I think I was actually in Dublin at the time working, and um, I just saw the incognito kind of go up online, and uh, I just realised the concept behind this that kind of unknown. Um, I suppose, you know, it's for a good cause, but also kind of there's a bit of, bit of crack in guessing the artist. Like, as you said yourself, you know an artist's style and you kind of see if you can kind of seek it out. Yeah. Um, and I just remember kind of queuing for the first one for maybe an hour and a half before work. <laughs> good for you, Shane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was it the rainy been... year? One year we had it, pouring rain. <laughs> it, it was above in Dublin. It wasn't too bad. I, like, I was totally naive. In fact, I thought, look, I was looking here you know, a quick uh, little jaunt before work and pick up some nice kind of affordable art for a good cause, but people have been camping out overnight. <laughs> so it really kind of struck me, you know, kind of, I suppose, the, the appreciation people had for the art, you know. Um, but that's why the online is almost fairer, isn't it? It, it is. is it? I mean, it, it definitely is for that degree. I mean, you're, you're kind of, I suppose, you get more visibility and yeah. certainly you can kind of, you can buy from the comfort of your couch or wherever. Um, but I remember like being in Cork in the studio late. Uh, it was two years ago now, the one in Cork. And mm. I was in the studio until half nine or ten and people just arrived with their camping chairs and their sleeping bags ready to stay for the whole night. You know, and I was just out there chatting to them in the studio going, no, you know. And they, but these people had been coming year in, year out, trying to kind of get artworks by specific artists. Yeah, failing. yeah. They know and what they're why, looking for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But can I just say, um, anybody who's seen the video on the website will see the work that goes into Shane's, Shane's products. I mean, it is absolutely incredible um, the amount of time and effort that Shane, Shane goes to to create his wonderful things. Have you seen the, have you seen the website? I, I, I absolutely have. Yeah. I absolutely have. And of course, you would be, Shane, are you, are you probably best known for some of your murals? Um, more recently, yeah. I mean, I've been, I suppose, primarily I call myself uh, a printmaker. I've been in corporate makers for 10 odd years, but I suppose in the last three or four years, murals definitely. This year, um, I was kind of co-director of the Ardu Street Art Project, so we kind of brought big seven large murals to the city there. So definitely more recently, mural-based stuff because studio closed. Mm. Yeah, I mean, what's it? Yeah, I mean, has lockdown and pandemic been extremely tough for artists? Or do you just bury yourself away in a studio and paint away? Um, I think the nature of a lot of artists anyway can be quite insular. Um, yeah. You know, so I mean, when I'm in the studio, I'm kind of working by myself away. Obviously, there's other members there. But in the last 12 months, certainly things have been kind of flipped on their head. Um, you know, I know a lot of artists who have been dramatically affected and can't produce work. You know, the kind of stress of everything. Um, personally, I've kind of been quite productive. You know, I think it's kind of one of those things. It's the studio was kind of taken with it. You know, I have access to the studio, so I still wanted to make create a design background. So I just kind of diverted my skill set elsewhere. Um, and I've just been kind of, I suppose, getting involved in projects I've kept putting off for the last few years and just trying to enjoy it. Really, you know, right. and of, you're 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 back in West Cork, aren't you now full time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just um, myself and wife 
moved down to Doris there about a month or so ago, so we're um, we're way out west and uh, loving it. You're in a beautiful, beautiful neck of the woods. Wonderful. That's that's for sure. Yeah. So uh, incognito.ie, you need yeah. to register. As you say, you can pick up to. You can just pick one if your heart's set on one. That's fine, but you might be disappointed. So that's why I'd suggest pick up to three, uh, and then you might just be lucky to get your top one. But if not, you might get your second or your third choice. And of course, all of the proceeds are going uh, to Jack and Jill. And Lucinda, you know, interesting that, you know, as Shane said, it's all incognito. You don't know who's behind the paintings. It's the one thing, isn't it, about the Jack and Jill Foundation. They're, they're families that many people don't know because yeah. of the nature of the children. They're, they're locked in in their own homes. Absolutely. And, and I mean, it's just a wonderful service that Jack and Jill give because it gives the parents some freedom. It gives any other children in the family some freedom. Um, and, you know, it also incorporates the child who, you know, who's suffering. I mean, it's, it's, it's just marvellous what they do. And again, on the, on, on the website is this lovely video. I don't, I'm sure you've seen that. Yeah. Um, and how a family lives like that. Yeah. And they're dotted all over the country. The Jack and Jill children families are. They're great. Listen, they're a wonderful organisation. We wish you the best of luck with it, uh, Lucinda. Hope it sells out really quick. Shane, can I just... uh, What's the most predominant colour in the painting that you did for Incognito? <laughs> don't tell. Don't tell. <laughs> don't tell don't go on, go on, Shane. Just, I, just, no, Lucinda has me just whisper it to me. <laughs> there's actually four. I'll give you a clue. There's four, four pieces in there. So oh. if you don't get the first, you've got a good choice. Oh, I definitely, I definitely think yeah. I've spotted one. I have to go back looking now if you've got four. Listen, um, <laughs> Best of luck to all involved and it was a pleasure talking to you. you. Thanks a million for joining us. Uh, Bye-bye, bye-bye. Lucinda Hall, the curator of the Art Sale for the Jack and Jill Foundation, incognito.ie and our own uh, artist uh, Shane O'Driscoll from, uh, originally from Bandon. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, Jerry has been on to us to see... uh, how are other people working out when it uh, when you need to go to see a GP? And we know since we went into the first lockdown oh, over a year ago, GP practices and the way we interact with our GPs certainly has uh, changed. Jerry now has been out of work since March of 2020. So paying out to go to the doctor, it's a big chunk of money for him coming out of his, I'm assuming he's on the pop, the pandemic uh, payment. Anyway, he rang his doctor because he has what he describes as a tingling in his arm that wasn't going away and it was kind of bothering him, he was a bit worried about it and that is the kind of thing, symptom like that is something that you would be told the best, your best support call is to check in with your your doctor and of course pre the pandemic Jerry would have rang up, made an appointment, would have gone in to see his doctor, would have been sorted out and either you go on for further tests or this is what's wrong with you and everything would have been fine. So when Jerry rang the doctor, he was told we're doing consultations over the phone. So Jerry said, oh, OK, he wasn't that happy with it. But he said, OK, if that's the way things are happening, that's the way things are happening. But the sting of the tail was he was asked to pay the money for the telephone. There's a charge for the telephone consultations for private patients. He was asked to pay the money up front. He said he would have preferred to have chatted to the doctor first and then the doctor could make the decision whether he physically needed to see Jerry uh, or not without having to pay the money before he even spoke to the doctor. He's wondering, is this happening across all GP practices? They, they, because he he worries about telephone consultations because he feels a telephone conversation 
consultation something very serious could be missed if a doctor can't physically see you to actually see a part of your body in this case Jerry's arm Uh, for example if it's a little bit like looking into a lucky bag you might be lucky and get something really nice or you could be lucky and get something dud and he's wondering how, how are other listeners faring out with that? Have you had to go to the doctor? Did you actually physically get in to see the doctor or was it all done through a, a telephone consultation? I know lately I had occasion that I had to ring the doctor and I initially had a telephone consultation but I had the consultation and then I got a call back after the consultation to pay for it. I then had to go on for tests and then when I went back for the test results I had an appointment to go see the doctor. So I I had a different experience to you, Jerry. So I'm wondering, does it vary from GP practice to GP practice or does it depend on the symptoms you present with? But then that that means it's a a receptionist just making the decision if it's if you're if it's the the symptoms you present with over the phone. So my answer is I don't really know. I mean, I'm assuming it's part. It must be each individual GP practice. But that is the norm now that people are getting phone consultations. Some, I don't know how many, some GP practices are doing video consultations. At least you can physically eyeball the doctor and the doctor can physically look at you and maybe be able to see through a video consultation what's going on uh, with you. But definitely it is the norm in all GP practices that they certainly are pushing for more phone consultations. The idea being that they don't want to have huge numbers inside in their GP practice. And that's the reason why we're doing phone consultations instead. But anyway, let's see how others... Uh, feeling about that for Jerry, where he was, he had to pay before he even had the phone consultation. That's the one I think that's irked him the most because, you know, if he has the phone consultation and then the GP isn't happy with the phone consultation, says you have to come in. I suppose Jerry is worried he's just paid for a phone consultation. Will he then have to pay for a follow up in person consultation as well? 1850 Your thoughts welcomed on that, please. Margaret was on to us to say, oh, this is to do with the online registration. Today we're at the 65 year olds are able to register at the hse.ie to get a date and a time for your vaccination and you can either do it that way or you can do it by phone 1850 24 The HSE themselves are pushing the online and says it is the easiest and the quickest way uh, to do it. Obviously they don't want their phone line swamped with people because it'll take some time to go through everyone to get all of the details but as we when we spoke with Age Action the the facility to do it over the phone. That's an individual choice. If you're not happy with going online, then feel free to use the 1850-24-1850. But Margaret said she was very willing to do the online online registration. Uh, But she stumbled at the first hurdle. She put in her email address, which happens to be a Hotmail account, and it came back saying that that's not a valid email address. And I'll have to check with John Paul. He's more tech savvy than, than I am. Hotmail accounts, are they still up and running and, and working? I, 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 I never, I'm, I'm trying to think, did I ever have a Hotmail account? And I, don't, I remember having one of the Yahoo accounts. I don't know if I had a Hotmail account, but I'm really surprised by that. Margaret, what I would say to you is, Galan, you, you have no choice now but to ring 1850-24-1850, but ask them about your Hotmail account because I'm assuming you've been using that email account and it's still working and that it's 
it's okay. It's not making any sense to me if as that happens to anybody else. 1850-333-103. And then another market this time in Mallow was on and is when we were talking about the vaccination process and we're at the 65 to 69 year olds and it will eventually come down to the 60 to 64 year olds. We're waiting on the date and the days when people aged between 60 and 64 will be able to register a vaccination. Margaret says, what about somebody who is housebound? How do you get their vaccination? Well, as Dr. Mike explained, to the over 70s that have been housebound it's the ambulance service have, have got involved with that and he thinks he can't be absolutely sure but he thinks most of the housebound over 70s certainly have been vaccinated at this stage so if you're in the 60 to 69 cohort Margaret and your housebound I wouldn't be registering online in that case I certainly would be getting on to the phone number the 1850 24 1850 to let them know that you're housebound and that you have absolutely no way of getting to the vaccination centre and hopefully they'll they'll be able to sort out the National Ambulance Service because we're assuming that they will now pick up the flack on people under the age of 70 who are housebound and there will of course be people who are uh, housebound. There was someone else uh, and I'm a, I, I don't know for sure but Anne, thank you Anne for your text. Are you in the 65 to 69 age group, perhaps 69 and have already got an appointment to go for your COVID jab because Anne says, Patricia, where in Mallow is the GAA field where they're doing the COVID injections? I'm coming from the Canturk side uh, to Mallow. Where do you go? Well, when you come in from Canturk, you'll hit the roundabout, go straight through the roundabout, go down the town, go right the way down to the end of the town. When you get to the end of the town, you will be turning left and then once you turn left, start indicating immediately, you turn right, you go up what's called St. Joseph's Road in Mallow, follow that road and the GAA pavilion is at the very end of that road. I was out and about doing some shopping in Mallow over the weekend and there are signs up saying where the vaccination centre is and I imagine it's going to be the same if you're in Clonakilty or in Bantry where the vaccination centres are in, in those two towns. They are well signposted. The HSE certainly have been out putting up the signposts uh, for you. But coming from Cantor, go through the roundabout, straight down through the town, get to the end of the town, traffic lights at the end of the town, you'll be swinging left and then the first right, there's more traffic lights there as well, straight up, straight up that uh, road. John and Clan and Kilty, this is Patricia. I agree that the vaccination should be spread out. We should all be offered and getting at least one dose. In a couple of months, we will be flooded with vaccines and there'll be plenty of vaccines for everybody to get their second dose. Please, 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 says John and Clan and Kilty, anything to speed up the eradication of this virus so that society can get back to normal. So says John in uh, Clonakilty. And that's what's being looked at at the moment by the Minister. Well, Stephen Donnelly has asked for it, but he's asked NIAC, who are the ones who will make, ultimately will make the decision. But they're asking the experts now on what would be the impact of extending the current four-week interval. This is for the Pfizer and Moderna. It doesn't matter with the AstraZeneca because the AstraZeneca is a 12-week spacing out from the first to the second. But other countries, including 
the United Kingdom and other countries in Europe as well have opted for Pfizer and Moderna and instead of doing the four week interval they've gone some countries have gone for an eight week interval others have gone for the full 12 week interval and the theory being it'll accelerate the rate at which people will get their first jab because the science is there that once you get the first jab you start to build up uh, immunity and you know you won't be fully vaccinated until you get your second jab but you certainly are offered a level of immunity and that's what John says that's what we need because that will get more people out and about. Now this is an email into I don't know if the sister wants her name or not or not so I, I, I won't say it um, because she, she hasn't written it at the end uh, I have the full email address though it says hi Patricia listening about the music industry this was on Friday's programme listening about the music industry and how they will be the last to reopen when they were the first to close it is a very difficult time for everyone and my heart goes out to them and to all who are eagerly awaiting the reopening of society but there is a cohort of people Patricia who did actually close before everybody else Active retirement groups closed at the end of February, the beginning of March of last year, 2020. We were isolated, cocooning and living without the support of each other are indeed without our families calling. We lost our social connectivity, our ability to hold our fundraising coffee mornings, our outings and indeed our own unique way of being mentors for each other. We had to navigate online shopping online payments, social distancing deliveries and everything else that was thrown at us. We are all in this together. Gives little confidence to our cohort of people. It rings hollow, to be honest. I can see that a crisis will emerge in the near future when we are and can able to meet again. Will we all come back? Will older people have lost the confidence to emerge and take their proper roles in society? Is there even any discussion about this? We need to be part of that narrative and not to be an afterthought. We are the ones who shop locally, support local, support fundraisers, hold fundraisers and contribute to the hospitality sector in a big way. Let us hope that we won't be the forgotten ones. Thank you for that. It's a really good uh, email and, and I knew I had had that email. I knew I was getting to it. That's why I did raise it with Age Action. So hopefully you heard Celine Clark from Age Action, Head of Communications there, talk about they have been raising it with NIAC and with NEFIT as indeed has Active Retirement Ireland, the group, the kind of the umbrella group for all of the Active Retirement groups and let's be honest, a lot of people in, not all of the people in the Active Retirement groups, but there will be a cohort of people within Active Retirement who are already fully vaccinated and then they could meet up with other members who are fully vaccinated. But I think this particular email raises an issue that I think is going to become a problem. People who have been stuck indoors, people who have self-isolated to protect themselves and been very nervous about going out may find it difficult to step back out into the big beautiful world when we're all able to get back out again. Confidence is going to be a huge issue. And I can even speak on on a personal point of view and, and I'm not quite at the active retirement age yet, but I hadn't driven a long distance, you know, with the whole 5k thing. And even before that, you know, obviously with Marsha and having a special needs child, we've been very, very protective about minding her. So we've been cocooning and sheltering ourselves at home, except for coming out to work, doing the bit of shopping. Haven't had people calling, haven't been calling to other people's houses and certainly haven't been driving long distance. The furthest I would drive, you know, would be to work and home again, to the shops and home again. And that's it. And I know 
by the small amount of diesel that I put into my car. It seems ages since I last had to fill up the car because I'm doing such little driving. But a couple of weeks ago, I had to go to the city for a medical appointment and I was heading off in the morning and I suddenly realised as I was driving, I was a little bit nervous about driving in it's kind of around rush hour traffic and, and whatever. And I just realised that I was started, lost a little bit of confidence when it came to driving. And I've been driving for many, many years and, you know, touch wood and please God, I've never had an accident or anything like that. But I just felt and it just struck me that, you know, I'm not on my own. There's obviously other people like that who haven't been out on, you know, for long drives. And then this listener making the point, people who haven't interacted with others, haven't been out to chat. Are we going to lose our ability to communicate with others? I was speaking with a family member who had gone to get her vaccination and was in the over 70s category. And you know the way they get the people to sit socially distanced now in a room for 15 minutes before they were allowed home and she said she couldn't get over that there was no chat or banter out of anyone and she said people were just being very quiet so she then remained she tried to interact with somebody who wasn't getting anything much back and she initially said I thought they were all being very snobby and then I put it to her could it be people are losing the, the art of having a conversation there was a time like at the checkouts in the supermarket you'd be chatting with the person before you are. but it's so difficult to do it when you're wearing a mask even if you're trying to interact with the person who's serving you I, I find I'm shouting at people I find I'm having to say sorry what did you say trying to hear people because they're speaking behind a mask and if they're speaking behind a screen so I dearly hope that, th- that that's something we're not going to lose it is possibly something we're really going to have to work at so I do think for those that are already fully vaccinated and are ready to head out into the bright beautiful uh, world I do think we need to get social activities and that social connectivity back up and running again sooner rather than later 1850 333 103 John Paul taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council's Community Support Programme here to assist vulnerable people with their daily needs through the COVID COVID-19 pandemic. See corkcoco.ie. The Cork Deaf Association are offering free online classes in mindfulness. It's for people who suffer from tinnitus. It's every Tuesday evening between 5 and 7pm. More information, you can contact Sarah at corkdeaf.ie or call 083-027-6898. Castellines Community Draw, that's taking place on the 3rd of May. Tickets are now on sale from all members are online at Castellines Parish Facebook page. And Inascara Camogie Club, they're now enrolling for 2021 and they're inviting all girls born in 2015 or before to register. All past members are also welcome. Contact Marie 087 631 or you can email mariehorgan at gmail.com. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. There's a couple of texts in on some of the issues we've raised there. Jerry, who uh, needs to see his doctor, he's been, it's a phone consultation, but what he was stung with is that they've looked for the money up front ahead of the phone consultation. Somebody else says, my GP is the very same. The phone consultation is 40 euro. It must be prepaid. And if he isn't satisfied with the telephone conversation, 
consultation and I need you to come in then you pay an extra 30 euros so you don't pay the full amount when you go in so the, the prepaid amount of the phone consultation is taken off the overall charge to attend to the doctor thank you for that on the hotmail the listener who had the problem registering at hse.ie for the vaccine Mary says I've got a hotmail address absolutely no problem at all registering for the vaccine but a couple of other people are wondering that when the listener typed it in uh, like somebody says Patricia I'm listening to the woman saying that her hotmail is invalid sometimes if there's a space straight after hotmail.com it says invalid tell her to redo it again and type it in with no space and it may come up as okay so there's other people saying no I I used a hotmail account and it is uh, fine Anne says I'm 64 my son has offered to do it online when my time comes she just says hi Patricia when you say it's the 65 year olds can register for the jab today does it mean those that are after their 65th birthday or is it for people who are 65 this year the reason I ask is my birthday isn't until September says Sheila no Sheila you're going to have to wait unfortunately but you will be the next group you're 64 it's people who are actually 65 it's like when we started this last Thursday when we started mentioning about the HSE Thursday was people who were 69 and then it went down 68, 67, 66 today is the final day for the 65 to 69 year olds and it's 65 but you must actually have had your birthday if your birthday is today happy birthday and you definitely can register but you'll have to hold out you won't be holding out until September though Sheila I'm assuming next week if not the week after they'll start looking at I suppose it'll depend on how many people have registered between the ages of 65 and 69 but it seems to be quite efficient and it seems appointments are already going out so once they get that sorted out they'll then move down to 64, 63, 62, 61 and and 60 so uh, hang in there please Now Marie is in a bit of a pickle anybody help with this and I might actually ask Annalise about this as well Trisha I'm in a bit of bother I've swallowed my crown, says Marie. I tried to vomit it up, but with no luck. Would any of your listeners have had experience of this? I'm wondering, will it pass through naturally? And I have to keep an eye on what's coming out over the next few days. It costs me a lot of money, so I'm really keen to get it back. I'd be grateful for any advice. Anybody else swallowed a crown? Did it? I'm assuming it'll pass, come out in your in a bowel movement, but you'll have a. A tricky few days looking for it, Marie. Anyway, we'll put it out because I'm sure you're not on your own. You're not the first person to have swallowed a crown. Can Marie get it back? And uh, and as I say, I'll ask Annalise as well. She may have um, a solution for you. But if anybody else can help out, if anybody has ever swallowed a crown, what will happen, please? 1850-333-103. Mary, when I was talking about active bingo, active retirement group, says our bingo is gone now well over 12 months ago no other reason to go out and a lot of people only go out for the bingo as well so yeah that certainly is another issue and and, and when people are vaccinated you'd like to think that it'll be up and uh, running and can I say the happiest of birthdays no, I don't know it was for yesterday to Margaret Murphy in Turner's Cross who celebrated her 80th birthday yesterday and Eileen from Bear Island who was a regular contributor on the programme certainly in the early days Eileen was our ray of sunshine and brightness and was helping people on how to get through she was giving us her tips on how to get through remember that initial lockdown when older people that dreaded word of cocooning and she was there on her own in Bear Island cocooning on her own but she got up every day did the hair the bit of lippy got dressed up and went out and had her little walks and 
she set herself a goal every day and she was fantastic and she kept us all going and she's contacted us anyway today to say would we say happy birthday to her sister Margaret who she was lucky enough to attend they had a little outdoor celebration for Margaret yesterday but Margaret celebrated her 80th birthday yesterday on the same day as Michael T Higgins both 80 yesterday and actually Michael D sent Margaret Murphy in Turner's Cross a lovely letter wishing her a happy birthday but Eileen says that Margaret is the heartbeat of our family and she from Eileen on Bear Island and all the family she hopes that Margaret had a very special day yesterday and is thinking of her again uh, today and in every family isn't there somebody like Margaret who you'll always call the heartbeat of every family there's, there, there's, there's always one really important person in a family who kind of and keeps a family to- Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, that's a happy birthday. Margaret Murphy in Turners Cross. Hope you had a wonderful day yesterday. Let's take a quick break and then we will be back with Annalise Drussell, our nutritional therapist, answering all of your nutritional questions. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 And just to wrap up on a couple of things before we go to Annalise. Joanne by email says, Patricia, I'm a lady with a long-term illness for the last 15 years. I'm 59. Uh, we'll be 60 in the summer. I'm also been treated for diabetes. Do I have to register for the vaccine? Nobody has contacted me uh, yet. And I don't know what your long-term illness is, but the fact that you are a diabetic, you'll fall into category 7. They're doing category four and category seven in some GP practices have been done together. But you're certainly the next group that will be vaccinated and you'll be contacted by your GP. So you don't need to register. The people registering are the 65 to 69 year olds. So hang in there, Joanne. You definitely are on the list being diabetic. And then Burr Esther says, Patricia, would you mind spelling the name of the website? This is the Incognito. This is what we were doing for the Jack and Jill Foundation. It's www.incognito.com. I-N-C-O-G-N-I-T-O incognito.ie but actually the easiest way if you just Google Jack and Jill Art Sale 
2021. It'll come up and it'll get you straight through to the website. Now, let me go to Annalise Drussell of the healthhubstore.com. Good afternoon, Annalise. Good afternoon. And you're very welcome. Now, there's, there, before I get to questions, Marie, one of our listeners, is in a bit of a pickle. And I said, I'd ask you because you may be able to help. She uh, swallowed her crown and she tried to vomit it up with no luck. And she's wondering, will she pass it naturally? Reason for asking is cost her a lot of money, so she's keen to get it back. And will that just pass out through her? Yeah, it should definitely pass out naturally. But if I were her now to try and assist the retrieval of it, I would use something like psyllium um, husk from the health shop and it'll bulk up the stool and make it far less. Um, unpleasant to sort through okay. um, and it might be it, it might also help pass it a bit easier Okay but it'll come out the other end sterilised and then back to the dentist because they're expensive I can understand why she's in a bother try, trying to get it back Okay straight into uh, questions Burr in Cork City question for Annalise please I'm looking for a good remedy for sinus problems what would Annalise suggest? Okay, so straight away for sinus I would recommend doing the sinus rinse with a um, uh, saline salt solution. It's called Netty Pot, um, is, is the old um, tool that used to be used, which was a kind of a little ceramic pot that people filled with saline water and then tilted it up the nose. But you can actually buy plastic kits now in the health shop. And the idea is that the salt will kill off any bacteria up there and the, the rinse will clear out the sinuses. The other thing that I find great as well to prevent infection um, is the oregano oil used in a bowl of boiling water and then do the towel over the head and do a steam inhalation. And that's brilliant for sort of um, getting right up into the sinus passages and the oregano oil will kill off anything nasty there. Now, the big thing with sinus as well is that it is sometimes for people it is producing a lot of mucus. So trying to figure out why you're producing a lot of mucus can be very important because if you could figure that out, you could maybe get to the root of the problem. So often um, things like uh, dust can be triggers moles are very big so if your sinus is much worse in the winter or damp weather months um, then it's very likely that you've got a mold allergy and you're producing a lot of mucus as a result of that. Sometimes it can be down to dietary reasons as well. Uh, wheat um, but dairy would be a massive um, culprit for that Patricia so people could uh, she could see how she feels after eating those does it um, make her sinus and the mucus worse and then the last thing would be to maybe take some kind of herbs that could help dry up the sinuses and the herbs that would be very good for that are things like ivy, thyme, um, plantago is another very good one as well for the sinuses and the ear passages. So a good decongestant sort of would work like a natural decongestant containing those might help keep them clear of mucus in the first place. Okay, Kay is looking for a good quality body moisturiser. What would you recommend? Body moisturiser. So I suppose it depends, Patricia, on whether the skin is just normally dry or whether it is eczema type dry. So there's lots of lovely natural um, body moisturizers. One of my favorite, of course, is the Trilogy ones because it's very, very rich, but it sinks into the skin beautifully. Another body oil I use on myself a lot, Patricia, is argan oil. Um, It's more of a dry oil, so it doesn't leave that film on the skin as much. Um, and it sinks right in, so it's really suitable for the face as well as the body. And I'd often put in a few drops of a natural essential oil just to scent it myself. You'll get argan oil in any um, in any health shop. And then if it's more of an eczema type one, I often recommend the Salcura Zeoderm or the Derm Spray because that's very good for skin that is more irritated. And of course, putting fat into the diet is a good way to make your skin 
nice um, to protect, you know, they put a nice fat barrier on the skin from the inside and it prevents it from getting dry. So taking a fish oil supplement or um, if you're not, ta- if you don't like the fish oil, you could take a vegan uh, supplement like a noodles oil and that would help moisturise from the inside. Um, Kira says, what supplements would can you recommend, Annelies, to prevent COVID? Now, I'm wondering, is uh, Kira thinking about all the great research that's come out on vitamin D, but uh, is there a supplement to prevent getting COVID? So uh, any supplement to prevent COVID doesn't exist, Patricia, but supplements to help boost your immune system and make your own ability to fight COVID or to prevent yourself getting COVID in the first place um, is... Um, the way to go with that. And actually, I mean, people who do get COVID, we do know that people who are vulnerable that have got underlying health conditions that would affect their immune system in terms of responding to any old virus, that they're the people more vulnerable to COVID as well. So the key really is to strengthen up your immune system. So, of course, diet always plays a big part in that. Try and avoid sugar, if at all possible, because studies show that sugar can affect the effectiveness of white blood cells for up to four hours after consuming it. So take sugar out of your diet and put in lots of healthy fruits and veg that give you lots of vitamins and minerals. And then in terms of supplements, I'm always a big fan of one supplement that does a few jobs, and the um, the Bionutri elderberry complex is one for the immune system. So it's about six different ingredients in there. Beta-glucans are um, from mushroom extracts are wonderful for ramping up your uh, virus-fighting capability. Uh, lysine is in there, another antiviral elderberry extract, prevents this viral spike from forming, which is um, uh, prevents the virus being able to get into cells. And it also has vitamin C, zinc and vitamin D. So it's a great all-rounder. And if you're very vulnerable, then maybe consider taking something like olive leaf extract at the same time. And that would really bulletproof your immune system. Okay. Hi, Annelies. I am a woman of 52, menopausal. I'm getting a lot of hot flushes at night and obviously this is leading to a disturbed night's sleep. A friend of mine recommended to take maca by Sarah's Choice. What would you advise? Thank you in advance. I am taking minimum Omega oil and a vitamin D and I'm also on a blood pressure tablet. Okay. Um, there's there's two ways the, the listener can go about this, Patricia. And one is to support underlying menopause and the other then is to take something to help sleep. Maca is a herb that can help in terms of increasing your sex hormones, estrogen and progesterone. So you could try taking that and it may work. Uh, the Menomin is a menopause supplement, but maybe it's not doing enough for you. And one that I find works exceptionally well is by NHP, the Nat- Natural Health Practice. This was formulated by Dr. Marilyn Glenville, and a lot of your listeners may be familiar with her. She's a UK-based doctor who specializes in women's hormonal health. And she's formulated this supplement. It's just called menopause, menoherbal. That's what it's called, menoherbal. And that is, I get really, really good feedback on that. And there's another great one as well by a company called Nutri Advanced, and it is called Perimenopause um, Support. And that has, again, a huge combination of ingredients to support the body through menopause. So I would definitely try something else to see, can you get better um, um, hormone balance using those? And then at night time, in order to help yourself sleep, there's two things that I often recommend. One is the Dormazan, or it's a valerian blend, which can help stop the busy body, busy brain. So that's very good to kind of get you off to sleep. And then, of course, the cannabis oil is wonderful because it's very, very quickly calming and, again, can stop the busy body, busy brain. So try the valerian 
um, support first for sleep and if that doesn't work the cannabis oil is great. It's also brilliant as well during the day, Patricia, for anybody who might be suffering a little bit of anxiety because of the fact that it works so quickly just to bring a calm. Yeah. Um, a Cantork listener says, what would Annalise recommend I use on gout on my finger joints? Not painful, but it can flare up every few days. Okay, so the best thing for gout is prevention. Gout happens when uric acid in the blood builds at a certain levels where it's so strong that it begins to crystallize and form little crystals in between the joints. So it can get excruciatingly painful for people. Um, but the best prevention is to drink cherry juice on a regular basis. And cherry juice has got a lot of other health benefits as well. It's very good for blood pressure. A lot of people take it at night for sleep. It's very good for calm. It's good to support the body through stress. It's full of heart-healthy phytochemicals as well. So it does a few different jobs. And I have many customers on the cherry um, juice daily and have had excellent feedback over the years, Patricia, for prevention. Um, If you do have a big flare-up of gout, Dr. Delish Clare does a a muscular joint tincture, which has got a lot of natural anti-inflammatories specifically for the joints in there. And it can bring down that pain and that flare-up very quickly. So drink plenty of water to flush as well to make sure your the kidneys are able to flush the uric acid out. And you could also look at following a low purine diet. Purines are the, um, are the parts of the proteins and foods that increase uric acid in the blood. OK, can we go back to menopause, but in this case, uh, perimenopausal. Uh, 46-year-old, haven't slept properly since last October. What would you suggest? I don't want to take sleeping tablets. I'm a single parent of two children, so I need to be semi-alert at night at the same time. I think the same advice would apply there, Patricia. Um, Like with perimenopausal and menopausal, I think the symptoms are similar. I think technically you're menopausal when your periods have stopped for a period of, I think, six months. So up until that, some women, you know, they may um, have all the symptoms but still be getting a period every month. So but the symptoms are the same. So we treat it exactly the same from a natural perspective. And that is trying to bring in some type of hormone balance using um, something like the NHP Menoherbal um, or the perimenopause support that I spoke about from Nutri Advanced is a wonderful one. It comes in a powder. You mix it in with a drink and um, it, it kicks in very quickly. It's very strong um, and it works very, very well. So that, in a roundabout way, could help with sleep. But again, the other two ones I mentioned earlier, the Dormazan from the Dr. A. Vogel or otherwise use Valerian if your health shop doesn't have the Dormazan. The Valerian is very good just to stop the busy body, busy brain and try and get you into a deep sleep. And if you're waking up with sweats, sage is wonderful. So drinking sage tea before you go to bed can help with that as well. Okay, and uh, Tim wants to know any suggestions on how to get blood pressure down naturally without going on medication? Okay, so uh, for blood pressure could work well. Um, uh, There is a supplement called Cardio-P, C-A-R-D-I-O-P, which is a potassium-based supplement, and you could try taking that. Another one of my favourites is a supplement by Terranova, and it's a combination of three different things in there for um, the health of the blood vessels, Hawthorne, coenzyme Q10, which works at a more cellular level to help balance blood pressure, and there's also magnesium in there. A lot of people who might be a bit deficient in magnesium will notice their blood pressure rising. So that's a really good one that works on the whole circulatory system to improve your blood pressure. Another thing that's wonderful for blood pressure is beetroot. So beetroot is very high in nitrates, 
and nitrates are converted into nitric acid in our bloodstream and that helps our blood vessels to dilate and the more dilated our blood vessels are the less pressure then of the blood trying to squeeze through those vessels so drinking beetroot juice or eating quite a bit of beetroot you'd probably want two to two to three beetroots a day or else a, a big glass of beetroot juice and then the last thing i'd mention would be celery so if you were to juice celery and beetroot together that would be a wonderful way yourself if you have a nutri bullet otherwise you can buy um, celery supplements or you can buy celery juice in the health shop along with beetroot. Okay, can you mention once again the decongestant herbs that you mentioned a moment ago? So the main ones would be ivy, thyme and um, plantago was the third one that I mentioned. Actually Dr. Delish Clare's mucotone is a lovely one as well. Those herbs in there plus some cat's claw which is very good if the sinuses are inflamed and you're getting a lot of kind of sinus-based headaches. Um, so the Dr. Clare mucotone could be another one to add to that as well. Yeah, we're big fans of that one here in the building. I have to say we got it a while ago and it, it was fantastic. Uh, and just by the way, for people, Annalise's segment uh, goes up as a podcast in the afternoon. So if you missed anything, you can play it back and you can play and pause it on c103.ie or on the C103 app. And I know Annalise herself uh, puts it up on her own website, all of the different products uh, that we actually mention. Okay, there was a... Where my do- oh, this is one interesting one. My daughter has a dark freckle on her lip. Is there a cream she could use to get rid of it? She's aged 20. She's obviously conscious of this dark freckle on her lip. Yeah, there isn't a cream, Patricia, really, that would get rid of it. Certainly not a natural one. There are bleaching creams, but I wouldn't put them anywhere near the lip. I think what would be best for that would be laser treatment. So there are lasers that can um, get rid of freckles and... Um, you know, spider thread veins or um, liver spots as your as your hands age. There's specific lasers that will target the pigmentation that causes those. So go to a good quality um, company. Um, there's one in Cork. I know she's a fantastic laser, and I've sent people there before. It's called Aris's Face and Body, and she has a laser for those. I've had a freckle removed myself using that laser, and it's absolutely the most efficient and best and safest way to go about. But there's no, there's certainly no cream just to get rid of it. And then uh, Chris in Whelan says, um, Annalise, where can I buy a good cherry juice? Would you know? Yeah, health stores should have cherry juice. They come in two forms. One is just um, the tart cherry juice undiluted and the other is as a, as a sort of a cordial. So the cordial can be very useful because you just mix it up with water um, and there's uh, two companies that do that. One is called Optima and the other one is called Cherry Active and otherwise the, the Biona, they do a tart cherry juice that doesn't um, that isn't a cordial, so it, it, it can be drink and drunk straight out of the bottle. So any of those three choices, and you'll get it in any decent health shop. OK, all right, we leave it there, Annalise. Listen, thank you for that. Have a lovely week. We'll chat again Thanks next Patricia. Monday. Thanks for joining us. That's Annalise Drussell of the healthhubstore.com, and on her website in the afternoon, she puts up, as heard on the radio, if you want to hear any of the products that we've mentioned in the store, is open in Times Square in Balancolic, and John Paul puts it up, the full piece up as a podcast uh, as well. OK, just a couple of quick texts before we go. Hi, I need help, says the listener. I've got to cancel my vaccination appointment for Wednesday at Porky Creeve. I've spent ages on the phone. I can't find any way of doing it. Have you any idea, please? I've heard of this before happening to people as well. And the only way is to just have patience and hang on the phone line. There's no system whereby you can log in and cancel a vaccination appointment. And I know you're doing your best to let them know so that 
they can, rather than you just being a no-show at Borky Cueve, they can go on to give the appointment to somebody else. So all I can suggest is you're going to have to sit on the phone and have a little bit of uh, patience. I'm assuming it's the 1850-24-1850, the HSE's helpline number. Good luck uh, with it. And on nervousness while driving, Margaret says, I'm 78, haven't driven for almost a year. Had to go to the optician in Killarney during the past week. Confidence completely gone. I enjoy going out for little adventures, but I think I'm finished with that now says Margaret no don't don't do that to yourself you just get back up and you, it's like riding a bike you never forget you'll build up the confidence just do small local runs locally and just stretch them out and stretch them out and before you know it you'll be zooming up and down the road to Kerry when we're allowed to go into county and you'll be absolutely fine and your confidence will be back and thank you to a couple of people who uh, is responding to the texter who swallowed her crown because it cost so much money she's trying to get it back uh, Marguerite says I swallowed my tooth I passed it after about two days so hopefully she will get it back and I've seen others as well saying yeah keep a look on your stools it will go through you and you will get it back, sterilise it back into the dentist and uh, you'll be able to have your crown refitted re, uh, uh, for sure. I don't envy your job over the next few days, but would you let us know how you get on when you get your crown back, uh, please? OK, that's where I leave it for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing the show. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we are back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock for Tuesday's edition of the programme. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. A very good afternoon to you and as always, stay safe. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.